explain, uh, as you would have us to explain. Uh, Lord, we ask you to prepare the hearts to receive it. Um, and Lord, we just uh, we just give you thanks and praise for all that you do. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Um, I got one more on that one I want to make. Um, we're, we're getting in, in town, uh, or in more County, we're, we're, we're pretty much hit every every town and township in the county. Uh, biggest group is coming from Pinehurst. Uh, and then if you move out across our state, uh, we're hitting some of the metropolitan areas in the state. And if you move across the country, uh, just on our Facebook page, we're, we're getting uh, some states that you wouldn't think we would be in. We're getting like New York, we're getting New Hampshire, we're getting Rhode Island, uh, Connecticut. Uh, we're also getting Washington, Oregon, and California. So, uh, and a bunch in between. Uh, and then when you move out even broader than that, uh, uh, we're getting picked up in Pakistan. <laughs> uh, we're getting picked up in Japan. Uh, we're getting picked up in the Philippines, and uh, we're getting picked up uh, in uh, Ukraine. So, um, our, little, our little thing we're doing here is, uh, is branching out. That's just on Facebook. I haven't looked on our uh, sermon audio to see where our reach is there. It's got uh, 19 states. It just came out yesterday. Okay. 19 states, and uh, I think it was eight or nine countries. Amen. Amen. Uh, and so those things, you know, just, just to give you an update, those things, uh, they work. You know, we have, we have no idea, especially like Pakistan and, and the Philippines and some of the other places, we have no idea how many people are huddled around one tablet or, or, or one cell phone. Uh, you just don't know. And so, uh, uh, you know, God knows, and so we're doing what he's called us to do. Um, with that being said, we're going to go ahead and, and we're going to get into our, our lesson. We're in chapter 3. Um, last week, uh, and we kind of stopped at verse 10. And so I'm going to back up a little bit and uh, and go back to uh, verse 8. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. and it will run to probably about verse 13. And it says, the purpose of the mystery. Prior to that, uh, the mystery is being revealed. And now Paul is going to explain to the, to, the, to the Ephesians the purpose of the mystery. And so I'm going to go ahead and start in verse, in verse 8 and read the verse 13. It says, uh, To me, who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of God, or Christ, and to make all, to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the uh, intent that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church to the uh, principalities and power in the heavenly places according to the eternal purpose which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through faith in him. Therefore, I ask that you do not lose heart in my tribulation for you, uh, my tribulation for you, which is your glory. All right, there's a lot there. And so Paul was called to declare this purpose. He was called to declare uh, that, uh, that he was the least of all saints. And all of, some of us can make that statement too. Paul was the, the least of all the saints who saw Christ. Uh, Paul was the least of the apostles. And he tells us this in 1 Corinthians. Uh, and he was given grace to preach. And, and Paul had been given grace by God to minister. And uh, the message Paul preached was not according to man. Paul received this message so he could preach among the Gentiles. He was the one called to go to the Gentiles. Uh, he also, or he was also to declare, or called to declare the unsearchable riches of Christ. Now, the wisdom of God is so great, his ways are unsearchable. And we, we read this in Romans, we read it in other places, it's been alluded to, and Paul had been called by God to share the message. 
And, and he tells us that in 1 Timothy 2.7. All right, Paul was called to reveal this mystery, or this mystery. The mystery is the basis of fellowship for all people. The mystery is the basis for fellowship for all people. The bread, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? This fellowship of the, I guess you just say, I think you had your reason to go. Mm -hmm. uh, the fellowship of the Jews and the Gentiles was shown by the church. Paul had been given a commission to all the Gentiles. And as we walk in the light, we have fellowship with one another. This mystery was hidden by God. God made known to us the mystery of his will. Paul said that this mystery was not known in other ages. This mystery included the fact that the church is the body of Christ. And as Paul spoke, the mystery of Christ was introduced, uh, uh, mystery of Christ, this introduced to the body. All right. This is incredible. <coughs> this, uh, for this reason, is beginning a prayer. And it, it is interrupted by this presentation of the mystery. Um, rivalry brings us out so at least I can understand this. Jerry has been hitting on this constantly. I've listened to it um, and you hit it exactly on the head. But the Old Testament never, ever, ever had a body in which redemption was contained he never was a body in the Old Testament. It was never unveiled because Christ wasn't there. There was never salvation in Christ, in the body. And that's what this mystery is all about. And you said over and over and over again, I heard, in Christ. In Christ. It's so obvious that we forget the Old Testament was totally devoid. Never was the body ever mentioned in the Old Testament to contain, contain uh, salvation, redemption, reconciliation. Any of that was never in a body. And now, in this point, Paul actually says, it wasn't just me. He, he alludes to the apostles and to the prophets. They all knew it too. When did that occur? When did that occur? Historically, it occurred at Pentecost. Boom! Christ came, and the Spirit came down, and then within, now, who? The church. It was in Christ still, but when it became through the, the Holy Spirit into the body of the believers at Pentecost, when God came down with fire and with his passion, everything changed. For all of salvation history, this was the moment at which full, as Riley said, full account of salvation was possible. In Christ. Always in Christ. So wrapped up inside of Christ's body is where we are. Oh. It's incredible. And in the body is so... You said it a thousand times, but Riley puts it out a little different, but only historically how it happened. This wisdom was being revealed through Paul. Paul had been chosen to reveal the hidden wisdom of God. Paul prayed that all Christians would understand the wisdom, uh, which was from the beginning uh, of the ages was hidden. God had hid it uh, so that uh, it wasn't the time.
we're going to declare our ministry. We're to share the good news. Christ came and died, redeemed mankind. You know, that's what I preached on Sunday. You know, that Christ died for not only the sinners, but the evildoers. We're all evil. He tells, Paul tells us this in the first chapter of Ephesians. You know, we were wicked. We, we followed a different path. We were answering to, to, the, to the whims of the world and being guided by faith, but we didn't care. We didn't know anybody. Uh, and so, the eternal purpose is the fact that Christ died on the cross so that God could redeem us back to himself so that we could spend eternity and have fellowship with him because we are his inheritance. We are his inheritance. By us following Christ and us living out our lives in this world, we show the world God, and we are his inheritance. We are. He tells us that. We've been adopted in, grafted in to his family. And so we're children of God. We have an inheritance. We will spend eternity in heaven. But not just worshiping God, but also as children, as his children. We're going to sit at the banquet table. If there's birthdays, we're going to celebrate those birthdays. If there's family reunions, we're going to be there. We're part of the family. And it's not like we're distant relatives. We are blood-bought relatives. And so we're, 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 we're there. Uh, and Paul played, prayed that the Colossians would be filled with all this wisdom. He's also telling and praying that the Ephesians would be filled with this wisdom. And this wisdom is the fact that we are not our own. We are not. We have been bought with a, with a heavy price. Yes. And, and like Paul, we should be we should say we're slaves to Christ. We've never been, we might be slaves, but we've never been more freer in our lives. You know, Paul was revealing this to everyone. And in God are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. The more we read his word, the more we understand it, the more we meditate on it, the more we apply it to our lives and walk it out, the greater the riches and understanding of his wisdom. Uh, Proverbs 25, 2 says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter or to, to withhold a mystery. And... Uh, this mystery was withheld all the way through the, the Old Testament. Never uh, was known in the Old Testament. Until, well, the Gospels, Matthew 13, 11, Mark 4, 11, Luke 8, 10, all bring this out. But primarily, 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 25, I'll read just the first part of it. Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. And he goes on to elaborate this to try and explain this in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians, again, 12, 12 to 25. And so that what is, what is going on is this mystery <coughs> is, is unveiled. For everyone who can see to see it and to and to believe it and to understand it. Uh, and it says, just because I'm not an I, I do not belong to the body. No. It would not for that reason stop being part of the body. So we're individually different. We're all part of the body. The body cannot be separated from the head. So Christ is the head and the body. And it's in his body that we have been redeemed and have been caught together. And in this writing, uh, it states that a concordance examination of the use of the word body will reveal very quickly and conclusively that the idea of the body of Christ or of anybody into which the redeemed were placed is nowhere found in the Old Testament. Indeed, almost all the uses of the word body are the physical body. The first occurrence of the word body in connection 
with the body of Christ is in the extended discussion of the concept in 1 Corinthians. Again, 12, 12. The next occurrence is in Romans 12, 5. And this is the way the, the, the letters were written in terms of chronology. The remainder occurred in Ephesians and Colossians, as you mentioned. The concept of one body or of any body was unknown in the Old Testament. And, um, and now, suddenly, the mystery ties together unity. There is no way the Jew and the Gentile can be put together except for in the body of Christ. And when that happens, then all the boundaries disappear. Judaism is suspended. He's not done with Israel. Israel is suspended here. The nation of Israel is not gone, but it's suspended. It is not what God wants done. He wants the body of Christ built in the kingdom of God. And that's what's happening right now in our age. We, we should be exclamatory on this point to the world. There is no other way. And then he will come back to Israel. Israel's in place. It's anchored in place in the nations with the knowledge of the language. And when it explodes with the gospel message, that will be the end. And then the end will come. So it, it is very interesting how the theologians are piecing this together. Well, 1948, we have the beginning of Israel coming together. It's, it's not the time yet. But the third temple will be built, all the distraction, all the, the things that will be a deviation from, from what is truth until God then has the right time to pull everyone together in his nation. Israel is his wife, and he will then turn loose. But right now, how long is this going to last? 2,000 years? 2,000? How long is the kingdom of God going to continue on? It depends on when he comes again. But, but it's here, right now. We're living in the future. Verse 10 says, To the intent uh, that now the manifold wisdom of God might be made known by the church, to the principalities and power in the heavenly places. Uh, think about that. The wisdom had not even been revealed to the angels. Both holy and unholy did not know the intent. They did. Uh, the powers of heaven saw this mystery revealed in the church. So, you know, Satan didn't know. The, the, the angels that are in there with, with God. And the rest of them, they didn't know. The leaders didn't know that this was what it was. And the church was the mystery of godliness seen by angels. And angels yet had been there at the beginning. Remember Job 38? Where it says, while the morning stars sang together and all the angels shouted for joy, that's when the foundations of the world were made. They saw creation out of ex nihilo, out of nothing. God created the universe. And now, several things are going on here. Yeah. First Peter 1 Peter 1 12. Go for it. Peter says that, that there are many things that angels desire to know. And we're getting them to reveal to us. The Spirit is revealing us. We know things that angels told us. Isn't that amazing? I mean, they were, they were made a little bit higher than us. But yet, we were given souls when they were gone. And another thing, Christ became a little less than them right when he became man. So the manifest glory of God in the redemption of man, angels could not be saved from their sin. That was a terminal move. They died in Tertorus or wherever it was. They, they were put away in a, a place they could not escape from. But humans <coughs> were given another chance to 
this glory of redemption, this glory of forgiveness, this mercy of God, this compassion of God is now able to be seen by angels. Angels were seeing the character of God that they had not had a chance to see other than through fallen humanity. And now they are able to see it, the compassion. And why? In Revelations, whatever it is, I don't have it in front of me. But in Revelations where they sing continually, night and day, they rejoice, except for that one half hour in chapter 8, where it stops. But whatever that is, I don't know. But the point is, they're rejoicing. Rejoicing over what? Of the glory of God here. He is now redeeming mankind. And so they they love it. Yeah, I'm sure you've got more on that. Well, we're, we're, we're uh, you know, like the manifold blessing of God. You know, uh, infinite wisdom of glory and glory. He, he wants his creatures to know his great manifold wisdom. At one purpose in this great plan of the ages is to reveal this wisdom. Now, understanding the character of God, we can say that, that this is not a self, a selfish or self-grandizing or glorified motive uh, in the way that we think of proud man showing his brain uh, and accomplishments there once. God does this for the glory of his creatures because the glory of the creatures is directly connected to the glory of the creator. The more we glorify God, the more God is glorified. It's, it's not self-aggrandizing. You have to understand, he's infinite. He's outside of us. Uh, the things that affect us do not affect him. Uh, and so he's doing that thing so that, so that it might be known. You know, it also must be known. You know, Albert points out uh, that the word might be made known or in fact strongly contrasting the idea of hidden. It went from this mystery being hidden to now being made known. And so you're going from one contract to the next. Instead of, instead of holding the secret back, now we're, we're, we're charged to proclaim it. We should be like a town crier out on the street hollering. Uh, by the way we live our lives. And, and so it goes on, you know, that uh, you know, might be made known by the church to the principality of power. This explains how God will reveal his wisdom and to whom he reveals it. He will reveal it by his work in the church. And he will reveal it to angelic beings. To the work of the church, the angels are seeing God's wisdom. Not only are they seeing his wisdom, but his glory. And not only are those angels that are in heaven, but those that were cast out. Those that are on earth, they know God's glory. They see it through his church. Why do you think we get tagged up in so much stuff? Because Satan wants to stop us. If he can distract us, <coughs> he can cause us to turn away from God. Just for a little bit, they wear no importance to him. But every time we share the gospel, and every time we do something to help and praise God, the foundation of hell shakes. And the angels, the angels were there when, when Christ was born in Bethlehem. They were there. They were there and saw it, not knowing what was going to happen. Not knowing. They ministered to Jesus, Matthew 4, 11, Luke 22, 43, when he was what? In the desert? They ministered. These angels were there, but anticipating, watching, right there, living God's purpose out to what Christ was doing. Christ was the Son of God. Had they known, had they known, as Jesus said, I could call 72 legions of angels to come to my defense. So they were there. They announced the resurrection, Luke 24, 5. Announced of the descent, ascension. He was, they were there. And this one, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Luke 5, 10. One sinner. They're watching. They're watching. What do we do with this, this glorious gospel? Do we bring it so that they can rejoice with us? With these angels. 
human events, even angels, long to look into these things. First Peter 1 Peter 1.12. They long to look into it. They're anticipating the next phase. Good. Good it puts it like this. It said, of course God also wants to reveal this wisdom to the church. Yet in the big picture, God doesn't use the angels to reveal this wisdom to the saints. Remember, all through history, the angels were the ones who revealed things to the, to, to the prophets. They were the ones who made the announcement. All right? So, uh, but he does use the saints to reveal his wisdom to the angelic beings, both faithful and fallen. This reminds us that not only are we called uh, for something greater than our own individual salvation and sanctification, we're called to be the means by which God teaches the universe a lesson, and a beautiful lesson it is. You know, lady, have you ever thought about that? The reason the church is bringing this message is because he wanted the angels to see it through there, through us, rather than him, him announcing it like they announced the birth of Christ, like they announced it that, to a, uh, that Mary was going to be pregnant, like they talked to Elizabeth. You know, all through the ages, down through there, where they, where the angel came, wrestled with, with, uh, uh, with the, yeah, yeah, with Jacob. I mean, all these things. The angel comes, parted the water, the destroying angels over the houses in Egypt. Now the church is proclaiming the wisdom of God to the principality and power. The angelic power and beings are learning the wisdom of God the church. It's an important thing. And, and you know, we're surrounded, and he goes on to say, we're surrounded by invisible spiritual beings, and they intently look upon them. Here Paul draws back the invisible curtain and hides these beings just as Elijah prayed at Dothan. Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see in 2 Kings 6, 17. Alright? These angelic beings see us perfectly and know us far better than we know them. Yeah, mate. They know us far better than we know them. Uh, what then have they to learn from us? Ah, they have to learn something which makes them watch us with wonder and with awe. They see in us, indeed, all our weakness and all our sin, but they see the nature which wrecked by itself was yet made in the image of their God and ours. And they see that God at work upon the wreck to produce results not only wonderful in themselves, but definitely wonderful because of the condition. Think about this. We were lost. We were the ones that were going to be at the end of the sword when they came. We were the ones that were going to be tossed into the lake of fire. And yet, because of Christ's work on the cross and the plan that God has in place, the wretch that we are now get to stand on the podium as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, the Father. And you see family. Yeah, buddy. I bet the angel's mind will bloom. Because it blows the mind thinking about this thing. You know, uh, we don't do a lot. You know, uh, we have boldness. You know, the purpose of this eternal purpose is, is God. The eternal purpose is of God. Uh, I said, you know, in his immortality, never, in his immortality, never touched by one drop of our cold river, uh, it is intuitive, uh, instructive to him beyond all our thoughts to see his God triumphing over pain and death and, uh, and some suffer in the fire of martyrdom, or in the torture of capture, or in the shipwreck, or just in silent awe of any form of our departure from the body. They see these fallen and mortal beings, this community uh, of the lost and saved, not only bearing and doing for God here on earth, but spiritually present with Him in the holy of holies above all things. We were this and now we're that. Some are going to hell so much. And they see us and they're standing there in awe at us. At us. 
because they have the power and the wisdom of God and scratching their head. I mean, you know, sometimes the Christians get the crazy idea that God saves them and works in their life because they're somehow such great people. We have a while to come to that. And I think that's a process of growth. The angels see right through this, you know. We might believe that, that this is it because of us, you know, that all this is because of us. Uh, the angels know better. We may think our lives are small and insignificant. The angels know better. And they doubt our high standing see in heavenly places. The angels see the spiritual reality with eyes wide open. You know, think about that. We went from being condemned to being in the presence of God. Not being covered in the blood of Christ. Being made righteous. Being justified to stand before a holy God. And not be smoked. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing that God, the creator of the universe, would offer that to us? You know, and, and, and all of a great drama is being enacted. You know, history is the theater, the world is the stage, and the church members in every land are the actors. We're the actors. God himself has written the play, and he directs the, and produces it, act by act, scene by scene, the story continues to unfold, but who are the audience? They are the cosmic intelligence and principalities and power in the heavenly places. The unseen Yeah, the unseen world. The sons of God. Yeah. Uh, the created beings in heaven. The divine created beings that now are seen that there is the mercy side of God. The redemption that man was made with the soul, and that he was fallen from the very beginning. They saw what happened in the garden. Now, what? Christ has come to redeem him in his body. How does this work? In his body. Through Christ. In Christ. And, and the angels have to be in awe that. My goodness, we're going to spend the rest of eternity with these humans that believe this story. And this story is unfolding in front of them. What is the story of the gospel message? Why aren't they telling more people about it? Would probably be the question. The question says, uh, you know, Paul uh, has to be asking, what, what, why? through this kind of agony for unless it's to the glory of God. What would he do by his son being a little lower than us, the angels, so that man could be redeemed? He's still God, remember, as A.W. Tozer said, he was everything man was and everything God was except for the sin of that was the only exception. He had no sin. And they saw this. And they saw this glory. And they they know that all these things, that they don't know what they are, but they all know that things are coming that are to the glory of God. And they are around and circling <coughs> right from singing night and day. By the way, that's Revelation 4. Um, the angels are instructed in God's wisdom. And this, this is out. Uh, angels are instructed in God's wisdom by the fact of the great spiritual body constituted in Christ, which they contemplate and which is to them the theater of the glory of God. And then that quote Matthew says, the history of the Christian church becomes a graduate school for angels. By the way we conduct our lives, by the way we live out on this world, the angels are watching us and they're going to graduate school. Uh, to the principalities and the heavenly places. I mean, we're finding out that, you know, we have an eternal purpose here on earth. And it's not our purpose.
is so important because angelic and demonic beings are looking on and uh, are looking on, and God's intent is to teach them through uh, several passages referred to. First Corinthians 11, 10. For this reason, the woman ought to have a symbol of authority on her head because of the angel. Uh, the things, uh, the things which have been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things which angels desire to look into. First Peter one twelve. I I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ and the elect angels that you observe these things without prejudice, doing nothing. Uh, with partiality. First Timothy 5 21 it says, and we shall take this responsibility serious for the angels are given the responsibility to carry souls to heaven and death Luke 16 22 and the reapers of the final harvest Matthew 13 39 to 43 and lastly that what think some of you and lastly what think some of you would angels say of your walk and your conversation. Well, I suppose uh, you don't care much about that. We don't care much about that. We really don't. But what do you think they would think about our walk with Christ? What would they think about our conversation? Listen, they shall be the convoy uh, to our spirit across the last dark stream. I remember when my father was passing. Prior to him hours before he passed, he said, I only need one more angel. He said, it takes three. And he told me not to sit in the church chair until the angel was And so, uh, with that being said, they're the purveyors. They're the convoy. They're the escorts that take us to the arms of Jesus. <coughs> and so, they're intent about our lives. They're intent about what we're going through. Uh, who but they shall carry our spirit like that of Lazarus into the Father's bosom. Surely we should not despise them. That was my purpose. So, you know, there's a lot going on here. This purpose of the eternal purpose of God, that's the purpose. It was the eternal purpose. God works all things for the good of those who love God, Romans 8, 28, 29. And so God had this purpose from eternity past. God's purpose is according to His will. We learned that in Ephesians 1 9 and 1 11. God revealed this purpose at the time that He chose. Ephesians 3 5. This purpose was carried out in Christ Jesus. God called us through Christ according to His purpose. Timothy had seen Paul carefully follow this purpose. Paul was revealing the access that we have through Christ. We have boldness. We have boldness because of Christ. We can come through Christ with boldness. In Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, we can stand before God and boldly make our petition our, our, and our, our, our prayers known to Him, our wants. Uh, and we, can, uh, we have the boldness to enter into the presence of God through Christ. We have constant access uh, through faith in Christ. We have access through the Father and into the grace through Christ, Romans 5, 1 and 2. We have access by one spirit to the Father, Ephesians 2, 18. Uh, the spirit makes intercession according to the will of God, Romans 8, 26, 27. We have all of this access. Great enough. It says, you know, we, we're able to go into the Holy of Holies, the Sanctum Sanctorium, the holiest place in the universe. We're able to go in there and make our petitions. We don't have to have a priest to go in behind the curtain for us and make petitions and hope that his life is well enough that they don't have to drag him out with a rope tied around his leg his leg because God struck him when he got into the Holy of Holies. We don't have to do that. When we stand before him, before him, he sees us washed 
in the blood of the Lamb. We stand before him in white robes. Our sins have been forgiven. We're able to stand there with confidence and boldness and know that he's not going to strike us down. God is the one. We have access and the Spirit makes intercession according to the will of God. You know, without that intercession, we have nothing. We have nothing. Uh, His eternal purposes is what's being accomplished. The mystery reveals uh, and furthers God's eternal purpose in Jesus, uh, previously described in Ephesians 1.10. Uh, that in the fullness of the times God will gather together essentially to sum up the resolve of all things in Jesus. He'll <laughs> gather together the saints. And the mystery of the unified body of Christ is according to that purpose. This is the preview of what Jesus will ultimately do in the fulfillment of the summing up of all things in himself. The church thus appears to be God's pilot team for the reconciled universe of the future, the mystery of God's will to be administered in the fullness of the times when He, or when the things in heaven and the things on earth are brought together in Christ. We are coming together to be brought together. Jew and Gentile coming together as one body to be taken to heaven for God's purpose. While we're here, we be, we're to spread this mystery, uh, which he accomplished. So here's the thing that you're making. You know, there is a sense which Paul can say that this eternal purpose is already accomplished because it was all done in Christ. And Christ, all of this will be the conclusion uh, and the uh, resolve of all things in Jesus Christ. This is what it's going to be. It's the fulfillment and it's a certainty. Uh, that the initial work of bringing you and Jim out together in Jesus, so to speak, that it, it's already finished. This work is already finished. When the time has come and the day has come, those who are coming will already have came. Some may already be asleep in, in Christ. Others may be alive. We don't know. The word for boldness has the idea of freedom to speak. We have the freedom to express ourselves before God without fear of shame. He's not going to make fun of us. He's not going to laugh at us. He's going to understand us. The Greek word uh, paralysia, translated by boldness, means really free speech. What was this country founded on? Free speech. It's premise coming from God. We have certain inalienable rights. Free speech is one of them. If we can boldly go before the throne of God, we can be able to boldly say what we want to say without fear of retaliation. That is the speaking of all. It is the blessed privilege of prayer. In that prayer, we can say what we want to God. We speak our heart. He knows our heart. Are you going to tell me, God? Are you going to tell me you're trouble? Tell me what's troubling you. He already knows. He wants you to tell him. That's according to his riches. Um, not, not a portion. Not a portion of some riches. We don't have that boldness to ask for all of them, do we? If he poured it out, his riches, on us, in that moment when we bold enough to ask for him to be overwhelmed because he's got the universe full of riches. He's got way more. And Paul is saying, hey, do not be discouraged because of my suffering. Don't be short-sighted here. Because it's your glory. It's your glory. For the suffering of Christ is the glory to God. Do we suffer for Do we suffer for Christ? Do we, do we put ourselves on the line and say, uh, I believe? Uh, there's times when you're put on the spot. In an application sense, you're put on the spot. You've got to stand up for what you believe. 
you may not have the words at that moment, but Christ does, and he can give you those words. Let him pour out those riches. You won't believe what happens to a person that has to totally uh, wilt at the power of God has it if it's poured out to you. Call on them during that time. Uh, some people want to throw and spit in your face that there is no such thing. Remember I said the universities are 100% controlled by the atheists right now. <laughs> they have no idea that that God is totally in control of these people. And what they're going to say and do has no material impact on the gospel or on the Christian or on the kingdom of God. He's one of that. So they cannot say anything. And he says, so when you suffer, uh, it's for your glory. It's for his glory. There are divisions in the church. And the divisions are not always there between Jews and Gentiles. Uh, the reformers spoke out against the division between clergy and laity. Uh, and the teaching of the priesthood. Those thought that the only way you could speak to God was through the priest. Through the priesthood. And, and that's not the way it is. Instead, the reformers came and told them that, that, that they needed to be teaching of the priesthood of all believers. Uh, insisted, insisted the priesthood of all believers insisted that all had the same access to God. Believer, <coughs> laity, which is the church, and priesthood had the same access to God. Therefore, you didn't need to go to a father or, or uh, a priest to help you make intercession for God. You can do it on your own. You didn't have to have them to absolve you of your sin. He was a man. The only person that can absolve you of your sin is Christ. The only person that can do that is Jesus Christ. You can confess. I can confess my sins to my mother. I'm called to do that. They can pray with me and they can give me counseling on how I can err, fix my error. But the only person who can, re who can redeem me and who can forgive me is Christ. That's the only person. And so these, that's where the division was coming. That's where the priesthood was being, you know, remember when the reformers come, the priesthood was they, man, they, had, they come up with all kinds of things. And it all became about, it all came about just like what had happened to the uh, Sanhedrin during Jesus' time. It was corrupt. And it was about money and power. What happened in the priesthood when the reformers come along? It was corrupt and it was about money. A lot of people die. A lot of people die. Not only reformers, but, but good, good everyday people. They die. And so they died in the name of, of, of Christian purity, even though it was impure. But those things are there. And that's what Paul's talking about. This mystery <coughs> the Jew and the Gentile, they're united in one. And our church, along with every other church, the church in, as a whole is the glory and wisdom of God but I mean, some churches are doing a great job some are not any questions any comments anything at all we've covered a lot there's got to be some questions remember Paul's sitting here um, in prison because uh, I think his name was Demetrius, something like that. He brought him into the temple. And the well, supposedly. Supposedly. Yeah. And the Jews have him in prison over us. And yeah. they halt at the moment. And so oh, he, he is, uh, in a sense, Persecuted for what God has called to do to unite the Jew and the Gentile believer in Christ. And so he's in prison for that. 
It's interesting. Any questions? Any comments? It's amazing how history repeats itself. Get it that you know, people being persecuted, false faith, false witnesses, thinking they're doing the greater good and they don't realize that they're going to stand before God and judgment. Uh, people selling their integrity and their honor and they're going to stand before God and judgment. Those people believe there is no God. And the angels have a front row seat. And they say, Man, this is a bad day for you. <laughs> any questions, any comments? All right, let's go to the Lord's Prayer. Father God, we love you. We thank you for this day. When we, just, we thank you for this lesson. We thank you for the riches uh, of the book of Ephesians. We thank you. The things that we're finding out, the, the mystery, uh, the unveiling of the mystery. And Lord, we just uh, we thank you for giving us the ability to, to comprehend it through your wisdom, growing wisdom as you've instructed us to do, for your 